the only thing that's lacking from Jesus Christ coming back to get us suddenly is the last person needs to get saved. You guys, remember when you were a kid, the Easter egg hunt? That's how we should be for souls. We should be climbing over each other to, to share Christ. Somebody praying with some back off. And nobody's off limits, are they? The million zillionaire? The, the hooker? The prodigal? Yeah, if you can't reach a prodigal, somebody else should be praying, Lord, somebody reach that kid. Right? Go and share in Christ. It's just our job to deliver the mail. Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations facing life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show. In part two of this live message, through personal testimony and biblical insights, Victor continues to unpack the importance of finding freedom and forgiveness and holding on to an eternal perspective as believers awaiting the glorious return of Christ. Be encouraged by this episode to keep the same fire, fervor, and passion of Jesus' promised return that can fade if we lose sight of the truth. Here is Victor Marks with part two of He's Coming Quickly. A night that we escaped from my stepfather, we were all hiding in a closet. He was drunk again. Come home and he started shooting lights out around the house. Boom, 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 boom. Because the electricity bill was too high. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. But I think if we just turn the lights off, that'll kind of help. I mean, you're shooting lights. (laughs) But my mother, she pushed us all in that closet. And that's when fear became terror. And the presence of evil was so thick. And this man, he's walking down the hall and he said, I know y'all are in here. Come out. And he came to that door and he had a pistol in his hand. The one he had just started shooting everything out. And we were huddled in a closet. And I started to cry. My mother said, don't, don't cry. Shh. And then she did the only thing she could. Pray. And she said, the blood of Jesus covers the door. The blood of Jesus covers the door. I remember her saying that, the blood of Jesus. And I, I went, all right, the blood of Jesus. That sounds better than my blood. Uh, but I was thinking, Mom, the blood of Jesus. That's the little Jesus on the felt board at Sunday school. He's nice, but he's not tough, okay? He's, you know, I mean, he's, he's the one that's like this, feeding the little loaves to the kid. I'm thinking, that ain't going to work right now. And then, you know, he he went away. He went up in the clouds because the teacher would put him on the felt board and he was like this. <laughs> thinking, we need like a Rambo Jesus right now. I, I need Jesus with an 18-inch neck. Okay, a K-bar knife on the side. <laughs> and rough knuckles from beating people. That's what I need of Jesus right now. But my mother knew. And she prayed the blood of Jesus comes to the door. And you guys, you know what? My stepfather came to the room. The door was wide open. And with that pistol in his hand, he tried to come in the room. And when he tried, he could not. 
He physically couldn't breach the door. And he was doing like this. Oh, oh, and he started yelling. And he couldn't get through the door. And I was like, he can't get through the door. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. You know, all of a sudden I was courageous. You ain't so bad now. And then we waited for him to go to sleep. And it was, you know, the drunks pass out. We call that nap nap time for them. And we left. And we had to leave that house in a hurry. Because he was a bad guy. He'd done very bad things to our family. He had held me in a tub one time till I passed out. And then I woke up to him breathing in my mouth on a cold, wet floor in the bathroom. And he said, boy, don't you ever forget I'm the one that gives you life. I call those lies based in reality. It's the hardest ones to get your noggin around. That messed with me for a long time. He reinforces abuse of us. He would do horrible, sick things. And he told me, if you ever tell anybody what I've done, I'll kill you. I remember at seven years old, you see that gun disarm that I did? Right now I hold the world's record for the fastest gun disarm. That means somebody has a pistol to my head with a hammer back. All they have to do is pull the trigger. But I can disarm them and pull the magazine out and have it pointed back at them in point eight tenths of a second. But let me just tell you that God is always working in your situation even when you don't know it. It's so easy to put our eyes on our challenges and the things we hate and the people that have hurt us instead of keeping our eyes where? Uh, keeping our eyes fixed and focused on the only thing that matters, Him. And you know what? As an adult, I had to uh, forgive that stepfather. How's that one? That's why when I tell that young man and those kids, I said, forgive, I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about theory. I'm talking about the reality of forgiving some of the most evil things that have happened. And, uh, and just on a side note, will y'all listen to me? Because I know some of you, I can see your body language. When I say forgiveness and, and God, the Holy Spirit brings people to your mind. I see your body. Your body starts to lock up body language. Some of you did like this, but that's a, <laughs> no. Forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. Forgiveness doesn't mean you just let somebody off the hook. Forgiveness doesn't mean that they can, you give them a carte blanche to abuse you again and again. Forgiveness a lot of times means boundaries, right? And I mean, I, <laughs> I had to learn Harvey. I was telling the staff today, when I was the first young pastor, that same church I did the little kid thing on, they liked the sermon and they actually brought me on staff. And uh, I was working with junior high kids. And make a long story longer, there was a kid in my group that the father was doing meth and got tweaked out and he hit his daughter. Boom, walking out the house and he ended up coming to the church. But I got a phone call from the mom. She said, he's He's tweaked out. He hit my daughter, knocked her against the wall, the little girl. And he came to the church because, you know, the church was like, oh, bring me back together. He had the cycle of doing it. And when he saw me, I said, hey, come on in the office. He's like, oh, man, yeah. I said, oh, bad day. Yeah. This is just, you know, I messed up and I need to. But I knew he was just playing the role. He wasn't repentive. Not at all. He was like, smooth this over so I can get back into my house. And he came to my office. I let him sit in my desk. I sat by the door. Now, y'all got to, let me put this in context. I was a pretty new Christian. 
okay? <laughs> I, I wasn't a trained counselor. I, I was single. And I, man, I was still just right out the Marine Corps. And I told this guy, I said, so tell me what, I heard you hit your daughter. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and I said, oh, no, no buts. I said, you hit your daughter? What's that about? And it triggered me because I know what it's like to get beat by a punk who's three times your size and four times your dumb, as they say in Louisiana. That means he like this. And you know what this guy told me? He kind of switched it up trying to play the role. Oh, man, I don't know what's wrong with me. He said, maybe I should just get beat on, and then that would help me change my And I said, oh. Okay. I shut the door. He thought I was joking. I wasn't joking. And I went at him. And he could not get out. The guy went from, you know, kid hitter to baby girl on the floor screaming and kicking in the corner. And I'm like, wah, wah. And all of a sudden the door bust open. Boom. Victor. 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 Yeah. One of the associate pastors, he said, Victor, uh, come here. Come, come here. I was like, you know, I was thinking, he ain't going nowhere. I said, yeah. He goes, um, he knew my mentality. He goes, uh, we, you, we don't hit people in counseling. <laughs> to which I retorted, no, no, it's okay. He said, uh, he, he, he said he needs to be beat. So I'm just, and he's, <laughs> he goes, uh, no, we, it's not our policy to hit people when they come in for counseling. There's legality things. I said, look, guys like this, you don't need to just toss them scripture. He's, a, he's playing. You just, he just needs to be pounded a few times. I said, next time he want to hit his kid, he's going to remember. His eyes start twitching. I said, we'll connect it. Just. He said, Victor, let's just, you go over here. I'll finish. That guy never sought me out for counseling. <laughs> you guys, the problem is, so oftentimes with forgiveness, we think it means allowing somebody to continue abuse. That, that's not it. But we're to forgive people even if they don't repent. Our forgiveness of someone is never predicated on whether they repent or change. And giving up your right to hurt someone for hurting you is called freedom. Freedom. Why in the world are you going to let somebody own part of your mind? Because they're gone. They're done. They could care less about you. But yeah, you, you're just, oh man, we're just going to. It's like now the enemy has got you. Wash your hands of that stuff. Don't go grab the scalpel next. You're not going to make anybody repent for forgive them. Let me tell you what I mean. I was traveling, speaking as an adult man, and and uh, and everything I'd gone through, and all of a sudden I found myself in the town that I was raised, where this abuse occurred, and I I absolutely heard the Lord say, "Go back to the house." Anybody know how terrifying that is? I just thought, "Oh, I'm gonna rebuke that thought right now." <laughs> the Lord said, "You know it's me. Trust me." And when God is asking you to do something, you can trust him. Because look at your past. Hasn't he been faithful to you? 
it's not like this blind leap of faith of no history. You can look back and go, every time I've trusted God, even if it was hard, it still turned out good. So I drove to this house by myself up on the hill and I knocked on the door. I mean, I just expected monsters to come out. (laughs) And the door opened. And to my surprise, it was an elderly woman. And she said, may I help you? And I said, I'm not a Kirby salesman. Because I was in a suit. But I said, I just need to tell you, I used to live in this home. She looked at me and she said, who was your dad? And I told her. And she said, son, I bought this house from him. But it's been, she's like, wow, it's been 35, 40 years. She says, the first time you've come back? I said, yes, ma'am. And then she just blew my mind. She goes, bad things happened here, didn't it? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, we had heard stories. And I said, I just wanted to come and see the house and I know it's an odd request but look in the closet where I hid and see the window where we escaped that night when my stepfather passed out she goes let me tell you something when I bought this house she said y'all had left tons of stuff she said I gave all of it away but she said I found a picture of you kids she said I kept the picture and she goes I've prayed for y'all all these years And at that point, I opened up a box of Marlboro. We started smoking reds. I'm like, that's heavy. That, you got any beer? Because I, I need to get lit right now. That's just... uh, actually, I just started leaking. I said, you never notice. And yet you kept a picture and you prayed for us. I said, I became a Christian. And I was that little toe-headed kid in that picture. And she started crying. Because it was a, not only a gift for me, it was a gift to her. That God would show her, the prayers of the righteous availeth much. And um, and look, that, that could have kept me my whole life. And then the Lord, after all that was wrapped up, the Lord said, now go find him. And now he had been arrested, and he was incarcerated, and then he escaped prison. He was a major drug dealer as a businessman. And uh, when he escaped prison, he actually made the NBC Nightly News with Tom Brokaw. You know, anybody remember Tom Brokaw? And it was a manhunt, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, hey, there's our daddy. <laughs> they never caught him. He fled the country. He had wealth and position and blah. But he ended up turning himself in years later. He did his time. And then he actually got out, had heart surgery, and now he was reduced to living on a little river, a little trailer on a river. And I called my half-sister, his daughter, and I said, hey, where's that at? She said, he's on the Pearl River. And I said, I'm supposed to go see him. And she was like, oh, my gosh. And I got the number, I called him, and he was, what? Victor, I said, yeah. I said, can I take you to get a cup of coffee? He's like, well, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
So I went and found him. Had to drive down a dirt road, open a gate, go way back. And when I saw him, he tried to trigger me because he got so uncomfortable. He tried to trigger me to make me feel like a little kid again because he had the ability to do it. But man, I hung on to the Lord. And I'm like, no. I ain't that little kid. I'm a full-grown man. I'm a Marine. Master martial arts. I'd kill you right now. I mean, you could still see the, the scar, the fresh scar. from. I was like, dude, I will just open you up. And... But I took him to have coffee, and it was awkward. And then on the way back, I mean, it was just so awkward on the way back. The Lord said, give him the money. Give him all your money you have right now. And it wasn't much. I got a little iron from speaking in a little Baptist church. And I was like, give him the money. Like, Lord, I, I need di- I got to buy diapers for my family when I fly home. And the Holy Spirit, when he invites you to be part of what he's trying to do, it's a privilege. And I said, oh, come on. Okay, we stopped at the gate and I said, uh, Dad, God Almighty wanted me to give this to you. And he grabbed it and he said, boy, you don't owe me nothing. I looked at him and said, I know that. I don't even like you. I'm seeing God. And y'all, he looked at me right there in that car. He said, boy, I'm going to tell you the truth. I didn't know how I was going to eat tonight. I said, look at this. God must really care for you to fly me across the United States, have me speak at a little church, and get the money, and come pick you up and feed you. Maybe I'll take one out of there and just. (laughs) Well, he ended up getting real sick a few months later. And I was there in the hospital and the doctor told him he was going to die. And I, I told him, I said, Dad, I said, look, you know you're going to die here pretty soon. And his voice was like, yeah. I said, "Um, can I read scriptures to you about eternity? Because it said, apart from Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. A literal, real place. He said, you go ahead if you want to. And I'd go in that hospital room every day. And I'd read scriptures about Jesus Christ. And the cross. And the power to forgive. And how anybody can get saved. And he never responded day after day after day. And the one night before I never see him anymore, I'm, I wake up about 4 o'clock in the morning. And I can't explain this to y'all. I can't explain it. There's, there's no reasoning behind this to, except to say I knew how real hell was and that he was going there. And I prayed, God, please save him. Please save him. And I got out of the bed, fell on my knees and started weeping. I started sobbing for this guy. My wife woke up. What's wrong? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't want him to go to hell. And the next morning I went to the hospital room because I didn't sleep. And I walked in there. And this was the last time I'd see him. And he had a new nurse. And he said, hey, nurse, this is my son. He said, I'm proud of him. I never heard them words in my life from a man. 
even though my mom was married to six times. And that, that brought everything back. How my biological dad rejected me as a kid. When my mom was pregnant, he said, that ain't mine. And my mom would marry this guy. And then all the abuse and all the craziness. How one of my grandfathers died in a mental hospital. And my other one shot his wife and killed himself in public. And how my mother would marry another man who was convicted of murder and would spend time in Chino prison. And it all kind of flashed before me and to hear him say, this is my son, and I'm proud of him. And then he said, he's worried about my eternity. But he don't have to worry no more. He said, I made it right with God last night. It was such a holy moment that the nurse actually backed out of the room. And I just said, Lord, I don't even know what this, what you wanted has happened. I don't even know what to say. It's done. And, and the Holy Spirit just said, tell him you love him. And I looked at him and I said, Dad, I love you. And for the first time ever, he turned and looked at me. He said, boy, I love you too. I didn't say another word. I walked out. And he changed his address. He got free. And certainly, he had a saved soul but a lost life. But guess who else was free? Me. Me. And only God can do that. I have no regrets. None. The only thing that's lacking from Jesus Christ coming back to get us suddenly is the last person needs to get saved. You guys, remember when you were a kid, the Easter egg hunt? That's how we should be for souls. We should be climbing over each other to, to share Christ. <laughs> Somebody praying with something, back off. <laughs> That's my sinner. <laughs> and nobody's off limits, are they? The million zillionaire? The, the hooker? The prodigal? Yeah, if you can't reach a prodigal, somebody else should be praying, Lord, somebody reach that kid. Right? Go and share in Christ. It's just our job to deliver the mail. That's it. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.